battered and beaten, I see him crawling, struggling, a breath in hastily, a breath in painfully. He lets out a scream. I'm standing there directly in front of him, begging, pleading to him, please stay down. Don't get back up again. Just stay there. Just stay down. He refuses. Refuses to accept that this is it. He slowly brings himself up to all fours, slowly catching a regular breath. Inhale and exhale, attempting to keep some kind of composure in front of me, some kind of stillness in front of me, trying to prove to me he can still keep going, despite the wounds, despite the pain. I can see in him, he musters some energy to get back up. He's standing. And as he's standing, our eyes meet. And I'm met with myself. I'm looking right at myself, tears streaming down my face. The pain in his eyes pains me. I realize that I'm looking at myself. And as I look in my hands, I'm holding weapons of guilt, shame, in fear that I've willingly beat myself up with time and time again but he's looking right past me he's looking forward he's looking at something I'm not seeing and I'm confused as he looks right through me in that moment he embraces me, embraces me with fault and all, and I'm immediately turned around to what he's facing. Facing where he was heading, facing where I was heading this whole time. There's a hand extended out to me, a hand ready to meet me with open arms, to embrace me and to hold me. I've been met with love beyond me with a hope that keeps me going. And in that brace, I've learned to be fully known and fully loved. Let's pray really quick. God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this opportunity. And I pray for whoever's listening, God, that you would stir something in their hearts and their minds and their spirit, that they'd just be encouraged by this message, that they'd grow closer to you or if they're questioning things that they'd meet you for the first time um, and this would change their life forever God and you're moving in this message you're moving in our lives you're moving through this church and you're doing something amazing and I just pray that all in Jesus name amen and I want you guys to open up to John 4 is where I'm going and it's the Samaritan woman in as I've grown in my walk, as I've pursued God, some of my biggest struggles has always been my identity. Um, and through that little story, through that narrative, I was laying in my room and that kind of p 
picture popped up in my head. I was looking at myself, continuously crawling on the floor, being beaten by the identities of fear, of shame, of guilt, of embarrassment, of disappointment. And I was beating myself up with those things that those were the identities I was holding on to. Um, but as I looked at myself, as I reflected, um, I saw myself always getting back up again because I knew there's more to this. I knew I had hope that was everlasting. That regardless of whatever life throws at me, I have a hope in mind, I have love in mind that I know will embrace me regardless. And so in this story of John, um, verses 1 through 42, it's a lot of verses, but it's the story of the Samaritan woman. And in this story, uh, there's a few things to note that Samaritans and Jews did not ever interact with each other. Oftentimes, Jews would avoid going through Samaria, even though that was the quickest way to go to get to Galilee. They would avoid and go around because Samaritans and Samaria was to be avoided by them. And so in this story, I want to read those verses in John 4, and this is starting verse 1. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus was Jesus tried. Tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. And at this time, the women wouldn't go out to draw water at noon because it would be too hot. So take note of that and be aware. So when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you find and get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go and call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. 
Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands, and this man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on the mountain nor in Jerusalem. Your Samarit you Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks, God in Spirit, and His worshipers must worship in Spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. When He comes, He will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am He. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman, but no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you, not, you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? And Jesus said, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and a harvest, a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done that hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. And the last verse is here. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his word, many more became believers. And so, as I got to sit on this, as I prepared this study and message for you guys, um, Oftentimes, we struggle with our identity. Uh, I've been faced with that where I've often let myself be shackled by shame, gutted by guilt, flacked by fear, or destroyed by disappointment, and exhausted from embarrassment. And we have this tendency to lean on those things, lean on those bad things that we kind of keep in secret that we keep to ourselves and cling to that because we don't want to bring it to light. And in this story, we see that when she encounters Jesus, there's this whole freeing experience when her darkness is exposed to the light that is Jesus, she's brought to freedom, she is brought to life. 
And I only have a few points that I, I hope you guys write down. And I'll start them off with this. Um, with the Samaritan woman, she, she started off as shameful and to shameless. And then after that, she became, she was faithless to faith-filled. And she was barren to overflowing and death to life. And in the first point of her being shameful to shameless, I mentioned that Jews and Samaritans didn't interact. And also with her story, with her past, she was already isolating herself from her community, isolating herself from her town because she knew if people knew her, if people recognized her at the time of the day that people, that woman went out to draw water, there's people that would recognize her, people that knew who she was or like who, what she did. And so the, 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 the significance of her having to go at noon kind of identified her as she had a lot of shame. There is some kind of thing that was preventing her from being around people, being around community, being around people that know her. And what's beautiful, beautiful about this encounter in verses 1 through 9 and verse 27, we see that Jesus is shameless about his encounter. He, he went through Samaria, a place that Jews wouldn't go through, wouldn't go to, but take note he said he had to go through and he had to go through Samaria in order to meet this Samaritan woman and the significance in that is amazing it's beautiful because it brought her shameful living to a point of shameless living where she was able to get rid of that shameful stuff because of the living water that Jesus gives and be able to live in a life that allows her to be shameless of what has happened. And we'll see that later on. And then my second point of her being faithless to faith-filled in verses 10 through 20, this is where Jesus talks to her and addresses what, it, what she's been hiding. And he knows everything. He knows everything about this woman, knows all the secrets she's kept, knows everything in her life. And to her, she, it, it catches her by surprise. And then she understands there, there's something about this man that is so different. Um, I'm sure her relationships with men have been difficult. Her having five husbands and the one she's currently with not being her husband. I could imagine what her reaction to men would have been. And for her to be encountered by not only a Jew, but that of a teacher, a rabbi, so even someone of more significance, uh, that was even crazier. And then now that of being the Messiah, uh, even more mind-blowing interaction for, those, uh, for this story, for this encounter, the Samaritan woman and Jesus. So she, she definitely saw herself as faithless because of her past and probably deemed herself as unworthy in those moments, in those times before Jesus. Um, and so it was cool. it's cool to see in this that Jesus calls her brokenness out, calls her past out, and admit to it, like here, like this is what you've done. 
this is what is in your past and, and he kind of he calls her out to embrace all of that admit that this is the brokenness this is the thing she is clinging to and from there like embracing our flaws is something that is some of the most difficult things for us but also one of the most freeing experiences for us to have especially when it comes to we're allowing jesus in every part of our life and so from being faithless to faith-filled shameful to shameless she becomes she goes from barren to overflowing in my third point and that's verse 20 and 29 and i just want to reread that 28 to 29 says this then leaving her water dry, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Um, and in this, I added one more verse. That was verse 30. Um, in, in this, we see uh, where her source of life is coming from so uh, oftentimes I feel like we miss the mark and where our source of fulfillment where our source of life comes from we often misplace that and for her she is putting that source of her life not just to the water to the well but to the men she was involved with to that past life and to her it was bringing death to her and then when she encountered Jesus, it, it changed it from all those past issues, all those past hurts to being things that broke her to, to being something that she could give to people that brings life to other people. So she went back to Samaria, went back to her people and exclaimed good news to them, exclaimed the man that she met was the Messiah and what he did the things that he said to her changed her life in that moment and she was so filled to overflowing that she didn't care about her past anymore she was able to go into a town knowing that these people might not like her but because of jesus because of the man she met because of the messiah she had an encounter with the the shame the guilt um dropped and she willingly went to a place that would oftentimes probably brought her death and so it's like crazy to see that in this story and lastly it brought it went from death to life for her and like i said she was in a state of kind of dying because she her her source of life was in her past in her actions in all those things and so when she had that encounter with jesus she was able to preach the gospel the good news of jesus the, the good news of what jesus does and what he brings out of us and what he fills us us then with we have access to living water and with all these four points um, I don't know where each and every person's at at our church or what people are going through, but I've seen glimpses and I know 
how crazy life gets. I know how difficult things get. And trust me, I, I've struggled with this in my own walk and at times I still am faced with these issues, faced with the shame, faced with my guilt, faced with my disappointments, with my failures. And oftentimes I, I get a little overwhelmed by it all. I get a little overwhelmed and then don't know what to do at times and it, it makes it so hard for me to go to Jesus and be like here's what's going on Jesus I don't know how to handle that and, and the cool thing in this encounter is when she recognizes Jesus as Messiah as the only thing that will fill her cup the the only thing that gives her life the only thing that can give her life it, it changes her immediately and so uh, I want to ask you a few questions, a few things to maybe sit on for yourself. I know for me, when there is secrets that I didn't want out or things I kept to myself that I never let people know about, it was the most harmful thing in my walk. It was the most harmful habit to have because oftentimes I would wear a mask and pretend that I'm good. It was so easy for me to share the good things that I've seen gone that seen God work in. But when it came to the nasty stuff or the the dark seasons of life or the dark valleys I was in, I always tried to hide that. I always tried to keep that kind of hidden because I was like, no one really wants that. No one wants to hear any of this stuff. But uh, I, I'm speaking from experience and I hope this encourages, encourages you and challenges you um, to maybe sit on those things. Ask yourself, have you been set free from those? Have you let the chains break? Are there weapons in your life that you're using, the weapons of disappointment, guilt, fear, embarrassment, failure? Are you using those things to be your identifier? Or are you clinging to those things? And as you sit on those questions, I want to challenge you or encourage you, possibly, this might be the most freeing moment for you guys to go talk to a close Christian friend or if there's some Christian influence in your life that has a similar story to you and share it. Um, be bold in that story because it could be the most life-giving thing for you and the most freeing experience for you when you're finally allowing yourself to be fully known and fully loved and, and to finish everything off I really want to kind of encourage you give you this opportunity to maybe listen to this song that I've listened to as I prep this message that I think will hopefully resonate in your heart and make you think a little bit about, am I free from my, my shackles? Am I free from those past issues I let identify me? Um, and it's this song. It's called Known in Love by Joel Ansett. And here's the lyrics. You're in a place you think you know, surrounded but you feel alone. You have a place to rest your head, but not a home. Feels like you lost yourself again, sit in the silence of a friend. When you are fully known and loved, you have a home. 
the burden you choose to bear, keeping yourself and those who care, problems and pride play hide and seek, and you're unaware. All of the things you keep concealed, one day are bound to be revealed. We paint a picture of ourselves that isn't real. It feels like you lost yourself again. Sit in the silence of a friend. When you are fully known and loved, you have a home. In time, may you find peace of mind with me, my friend. And the cool thing about this whole story um, with a Samaritan woman and Jesus is she found a home. And I don't know where you guys are at. And I know times are challenging and I want us to sit on that for a moment. I want to let that resonate in our minds. Do I have a home? Do I recognize where my home lies in? And am I placing that in Jesus? And so, sit on all that, regardless of your past or what's going on in your life. Have you placed your hope in Jesus? And is that hope to you everlasting? Is it life-giving? Let's pray. God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this opportunity. And I pray for whoever is listening right now, God, that whatever is holding them down, whatever is shackling them, whatever chains are weighing them down, God, whether it's guilt, fear, shame, embarrassment, disappointment, God, I just pray you break those chains because you're the only one that can, God. And I pray that as they sit and as they pray, as they lean on to listening to you, God, that they'd hear you right now and that they would experience a freedom beyond compare, God, that they'd understand there's a peace, there's love, and that they have a home in you, God. And I just thank you again, and I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.